0: How many of you own a cat and are willing to admit it? <laughs> uh, uh, ca- cats are curious creatures, are they not? Uh, I'm sure as not only cat owners, but many of us know uh, cats can do many odd things. In fact, have, have you ever wondered why house cats are able to climb a tree yet they don't know how to get down? Have, have you ever wondered that? Yeah. Well, well, scientists have, okay? Scientists have. In fact, if you can believe this, uh, there is much debate amongst animal experts as to why this is. Why is it that house cats can climb a tree, but they don't know how to get down? There's debate among the animal experts. But do you know what the prevailing notion is as to why this is the case? The prevailing notion as why cats cannot climb down a tree is because those house cats were taken from their parents before their parents taught them how to do it. You see, as, as any zoologist will tell you, the parents of kittens teach their young many things such as how to hunt, bury their waste, live with prey, approach an unknown person or dog, be pretentious towards their owners, a bunch of things. <laughs> Indeed, these kittens learn by watching and imitating their parents. So, so when you see a cat stuck in a tree... You know what you're seeing? You are most likely seeing a cat who was never shown how to get down. Or better stated, we could say this way. You are seeing a cat who was never given an example to imitate. This morning, as we jump back into Ephesians, we're going to once again look at Ephesians chapter 5. And as we've noted over the last several weeks, Paul's main point that I've been suggesting, that I think is Paul's main point in Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20, is this exhortation, and that is, don't be yourself, imitate God. This, I want to argue, is the main overarching point of Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20. Don't be yourself, no, you... You imitate, you follow, you walk in the same steps, you imitate God. Faith, as we've discussed, the Christian life is not one of self-actualization. No, the Christian life is one of self-crucifixion. That is, we die to self and we live for Christ. Indeed, as God's children, we are called to imitate him. Because, you see, unlike those kittens, we do have a model that's been given to us to imitate, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? As Jesus himself made very clear in John 5, 19, just one of the many places where Jesus tells us that he does everything the Father does. Which means if we're going to imitate God faithfully, put it this way, if we never want to get stuck up in a tree, not knowing what to do, we are to imitate Jesus. We're to look to him because he is the ultimate imitator of the Father. Unless we have any questions about what this practically looks like, Paul, in Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, he commands us to imitate God in three specific ways. The first is by walking in love. This is verses 1 through 2. This is what we looked at several weeks ago. But then second, we are to imitate God by walking in light. And this is what we studied last week. As Paul made clear in verses 3 through 7, to walk in light means three things. You renounce sinful practices. You render thanksgiving. You render thanks to God. And then you reject deceptive counsel. I just want to pause here for a moment and just simply ask, how did it go for you This week, those of you who were here last week as we studied this text, how did it go for you this week? Let me ask you some more specific questions. Did you fight sin and temptation with the sword of thanksgiving? Did you purpose throughout the week to give thanks to God in all circumstances? How did you spend your time Did you spend your time cultivating contentment or covetousness? Let me drill down a little bit more in review. How was your speech? What did you joke about? Was your speech filled with filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking? Was there even a hint of vulgarity? Among you? As Paul made clear in verses 3 through 7, to walk in the light is we renounce sinful practices. We are intentional in giving thanks to God in all circumstances. And we reject deceptive counsel. Deceptive counsel that we see there in verse 6, that it's okay to participate in these, these sins in an unrepentant way and think we are okay. But, but that's not all that Paul says. In Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, the rest of this main section, Paul identifies three additional marks of what it means to walk in the light. And that's what we're going to give attention to this morning. So if you haven't already, please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. That's page 978 in that paperback Bible. And as you're turning there, I, I want to invite you to do something, something that I have been really striving to do myself. And that is, I want to invite you to seriously consider the conduct of your life. To seriously consider it, consider the conduct of your life, and strive to have Every aspect of your life fall under the Lordship of Jesus. You know, Paul spent three chapters, the first three chapters of this book, Ephesians, expounding upon the glorious blessings and riches that we have in Jesus Christ. He has taken us to the greatest heights of doctrine, has he not? Now, here in the back half of the book, he is taking us to the street level of everyday living, and Paul's desire is that there wouldn't be a disconnect. That is, there wouldn't be a disconnect between the deep, glorious truths we claim to believe about God and who He is, and then how we live our lives put it this way, just as we seriously contemplate who God is and is what He has done, so too the Bible invites us to give careful thought and attention as to how we live. So that's my, my, my encouragement to you. As we read this text, if the light of God's Word is shining in areas and exposing things you need to turn from, don't resist that. Trust that God's way is good. So follow along with me as I read chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's, He's speaking to Christians here. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. This is, this is what we see. Renounce sinful practices and instead render thanks to God. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Why, Paul? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen and amen. This is God's good, good word. Tomorrow is going to be a big day in our home, in our family. You know why? Because tomorrow we are going to remove this. Do you remember when it was like, Negative 10 degrees out in Christmas, remember that? Yeah, well, we decided to build an outdoor ice rink during that time. This is, this is a picture of the rink. There's Noah skating on it. This is, actually it doesn't look this good. This is what it looks like now. Well, uh, tomorrow we are packing it up. Spring has sprung, so I'm going to remove this tarp, 80 feet by 40 feet, And Lord willing, pray for me, lay down some grass seed. Now, that area of my yard has been covered by a tarp for over four months. What do you think I'm going to find when I pull it back? (laughs) No, No doubt there will be mud, right? Perhaps there will be even some sticks. But do you know what there won't be? Yes. <laughs> Any grass, plants, or vegetation, right? And, and you know why. Be, you know, because, listen, because light is needed for things to grow. You all know this. In fact, if you have anything covering your lawn just for a couple of days, what begins to happen to the grass? It begins to die. That, that part of your lawn begins to die. Light is needed for things to grow. In fact, you could say that new life is the fruit of light. Notice what Paul writes there in verses 8 and 9. He kind of mixes metaphors, doesn't he? Speaking of Christians, Paul says that at one time, Christian, You were darkness, not in darkness, but darkness. As we said last week, that's bad. Yet now, Christian, through your union with Christ, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now light in the Lord. And notice, as those who have received the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul teaches that this should produce something in us, doesn't he? It should produce something in our lives. And what is that? Look again at verse 9. As those who have received the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're now light through our union with him. What does he say in verse 9? For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. You know what Paul is saying here? He's saying another mark of what it means to walk in light, and that is You express righteousness. Just as the light of the sun brings forth literal fruit on the earth, so too in a far greater way the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, brings forth spiritual fruit in the life of the believer. It is Paul taught in Ephesians 2.10. Christians have been created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. I want you to notice further how verse 9 stands in stark contrast to the unfruitful works of darkness in verse 11. Do you see it there? As Christians, we are to take no part in those sinful actions but instead, give ourselves to goodness, righteousness, and truth. We, we, we are to display this fruit of light. Do, do you remember the childhood song? This little light of mine. I'm going to what? Do you remember the next line? Hide it under a bushel. Oh, you guys know it, right? I'm going to let it what? Shine, right. Christians, you want to know as children of light how to let your light shine? It's by giving yourself to goodness, righteousness, and truth. And for a moment, I just want you to think about your personal relationships. How did you treat those closest to you this past week? Were you good-hearted towards them? Or did you act in malice? Perhaps here's a better question. How would those closest to you describe your behavior toward them this past week? Men, was righteousness your concern when you were all alone with your phone? What was your concern when you responded to your spouse's sin? Christian, how how truthful were you this past week? Did you give honest evidence or spin the truth? Notice again Paul's instruction concerning our speech. Truth ought to characterize our speech as believers. Because Christian, you know what? When, When you speak lies... You're not just hiding your light under a bushel. No, you know what you're doing. You're participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. And I just want to challenge us this week that as children of life, we give effort in displaying the fruit of light for these three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. So so to walk in the light is to first express righteousness. But then second, notice what Paul says, we are to endeavor to please the Lord. So verse 7, he says, Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. That's expressing righteousness. And then verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, my brother Todd is and Vicki they're here in town uh, this week. So this Friday we tried to uh, go golfing. I don't know if you remember what Friday was like, but it rained all day. So we show up at the course. It's pouring, raining. The guys like there's going to be a thunderstorm here in about ten minutes yet we're all dressed up with nowhere to go. So you know what we decided to do? We went to Topgolf. Have any of you been to Topgolf before? A few of you? Okay. Those of you that work there, right? Okay. Uh, uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Topgolf, it, it's a little bit, it's kind of like bowling that you get like your own, your own bay, your own kind of lane. Yet, uh, instead of trying to knock down pins, you try to hit golf balls into certain targets. So, when we got there, we divided up into teams. It was me and my brother Todd against Jake and Grant. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not going to verbally tell you who won. Oh, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you verbally wh- which team won. But please hear me. There were more than a few occasions when I was aiming at one target. Yet when I hit the ball, it landed on a different target. But you know what? I got points anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, right. But you know what? I, I think, that, I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. I think that oftentimes, how I was there, hitting that couple, that can be our approach to pleasing the Lord. What I mean is this we're not really aiming at pleasing the Lord in our lives. That's not our target. No, what we're really aiming at is pleasing ourselves. And if it just so happens that we do hit pleasing the Lord, that's bonus points. Faith, I want you to notice that to walk in the light is to have a new purpose for living. We are to try. We are to labor to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That it, that's to be what we're aiming for. Yet I would suggest that our greatest aim in life is trying to discern what pleases us. What, what would please me in regards to entertainment? What would please me in regards to the way I spend money? What would please me in regards to how I spend my time? Faith, those are the wrong questions. Here's the right question. Would it please the Lord for me to watch this comedy special? Would it please the Lord for me to spend this much time on social media? Would it please the Lord for me to speak this this short and harsh way to my spouse? Would it please the Lord for me to spend all my money on myself and what I want and give little or next to nothing back to Him? Faith, I need to tell you that in most cases, it's not hard to discern what would please the Lord. Yet sadly, we often tend to think that it's some mystery or some hidden secret. Like God's a trickster that He's, he's keeping from us what it would be to please Him. He doesn't want us to know. Our God is not like that. Could I ask, How would your life change even today, even this afternoon? If you were to make this the governing question in each and every situation in your life, how how can I please the Lord? What if before you spoke, what if before you made a joke or you scrolled through Instagram or you made that purchase or you sent that email, you asked, Would this please the Lord? You know what's even more convicting and truthfully shameful? I'm I'm speaking for myself here. Most time we know what the answer is, but we still choose not to do it. I know I shouldn't watch this. I know I shouldn't joke about this. I know I shouldn't buy this. I know none of these things would please the Lord, but I still do. Christian, I would invite you to have this command invade every aspect of your life. Endeavor to please the Lord. This is what it means to walk in the light. Again, verse 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. But then finally, To walk in the light is to expose darkness. Look at verses 11 through 14. And I want you to consider the force and the weight of these words. Paul writes, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of all the things that they do in secret. But When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Would would you tell an unbeliever who is committing adultery, would you tell them that they are living in sin? Would you speak up and say to a non-Christian couple who is living together and engaging in fornication, would you say to them, you are living in sin? What about a lesbian or a gay man? Would you go up to them and say, you're living in sin? What about a person who is transgendered? How about this? Does me even suggesting such things make you feel uncomfortable? Faith to imitate God, to walk in light as children of light, is to expose darkness. The Greek word that is translated as expose carries with it the meaning of convict and correct. As several commentators have pointed out, believers have the duty to expose the deeds of darkness through their righteous living and words so that those in sin will be convicted and turn to Christ. That is what verses 11 through 14 is all about. But I have to be honest with you, I think many Christians do not want to expose darkness. Rather, they are content to have darkness exist and grow all around them, and they will not speak up and confront sin. In fact, they are even convinced to convince themselves that that is the most loving thing they can do, is just be silent, live my life, and not say anything. Now, they wouldn't do any of these sins themselves. However, they would not speak against them. And you know what? That means those Christians, they don't want to be light. Why? Because light is called to expose darkness. Faith, the command could not be more clear. As Paul teaches in this passage... To walk in light is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. New Testament scholar Stephen Ball captures the weight of the command when he writes this. He says, Paul's exhortation to expose the deeds of darkness comes with risks, which Christians are obligated to take. So what would this look like? Well, we don't have to guess based on what Paul has previously taught. First, we expose darkness out of a love for God and the other person. We don't do it because we're ticked off. We don't do it because it irritates us. No, we are called as children of light to expose the darkness because we are called to imitate God. And we speak the truth out of love for God and the other person. But second, we expose the darkness through our actions and words. Consider how frequently Paul has been talking about our speech in these 22 verses. We must not only live righteous lives, God fearing lives, but we must also speak truth. What does he say in verse 9? For the fruit of lie is found in all that is good, right, and true. We speak truthful, righteous words. That is, we speak up and call evil evil. I, I don't know how a Christian, based on this text, can support policies that would support same sex marriage or allow transgender ideologies into our schools to support such unfruitful works of darkness is to go against this very text. We are called to expose, what does he say? The shameful sins and not allow them to grow. Then third, for those caught up in the shameful, dark deeds, we point them to Christ. So a conversation might look something like this. Again, out of a love for God and a love for this person who is caught up in darkness. We say, friend, there is a God whom you're accountable to. There is. And by your sinful actions, you are living in rebellion against Him. And judgment is coming, friend. You are under God's wrath. Yet God in His love has made a way for you to be forgiven and made right with Him, and that is through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Jesus suffered and died for you to forgive you of your sins so that through faith in Him you can be free from sin's bondage and dark's hellish night, as the hymn goes. So faith, don't miss this. We expose the darkness to lead people to Christ, the light of the world. And we know this is the case because of what Paul writes in verses 13 and 14. Have your eyes, Father, one more time. You see, when Paul writes for anything that becomes visible is light. He's referring to the transforming power of the light of truth and purity. New Testament scholar Peter O'Brien summarizes the thought well. He writes this. I know it's a lot on the screen, but he writes this. He says, the disclosure of people's sins affected through believers' lives Enables men and women to see the sinful nature of their deeds. Some abandon darkness of sin and respond to the light so that they can become light themselves. This understanding is confirmed by verse 8, which speaks of the transformation that is taking place in the reader's experience, and by the confession of 14B, the, the end of chapter, the end of verse 14. So, so what he's saying here is, as we live out lives, as we express righteousness in our actions, in our words, as we live as lights, as we make it our aim to please the Lord, we are called to expose the darkness. And even, Christian, by our living right lives that can convict a lost and dying world, but we're also called to speak, speak truth. Why? For the glory of God and for our friends' good, too. I I think we have to believe that darkness is bad because I think we've convinced ourselves at times, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I know that I want to do that myself, but I I don't want to bother the person. They're they're free to live their lives. Not if they're engaging in fruitful deeds of darkness that's going to destroy their soul. And we're not going to expose that by pointing them to Christ? Our hearts would be, so that they could be in verse 14, look there, so that they would awake, they would arise from the dead as Christ shines upon them with saving grace. So so to close, faith, are there any people who you need to speak up and expose the darkness Are there any hard conversations you've been avoiding because you love yourself more than the other person? Faith, the God who ordains the ends is the God who ordains the means, and the means he has ordained to free people from darkness is children of light, us. And oh, my prayer, you know, as a... (laughs) My prayer is that many would come to saving faith in Jesus. As we as a church walk as children of light. We walk in love. Love for God, love for others. Making our aim to please the Lord. And exposing the darkness. As we speak forth the mystery of Christ. Amen? Let's pray.